Welcome to the Kashkarba podcast series, which focuses on the role that NUI Galway and our global network has in spotlighting and researching major issues in our society. I'm Nuala Nichanela, and in this edition, which focuses on sustainability, I join Dr. Katrina Carlin from NUI Galway's Ryan Institute and School of Natural Sciences on a walk on the NUI Galway Biodiversity Trail. The NUI Galway campus is a mixture of important habitats and has been identified as the most biodiverse university campus in Ireland. The trail takes visitors from the historic Quadrangle building at University Road, along the Corrib River, to the northern part of the campus at Dangan. On our walk, Dr Katrina Carlin pointed out some of the amazing flora and fauna on the trail and spoke about the benefits of nature for all of us. Well, the first thing that I'm going to tell you is that we're on the path that runs alongside the River Carb. So we're walking along the river path adjacent to the River Carb. On our left are the student residences. And if we turn around immediately to our right, we're looking out onto the reed bed. What you're looking at is wetland habitats and the trees that you can see tell us that it's wet because straight in front of us you can see this lovely big tree with the broad wide rich green leaves that's an alder tree and we have another alder just over there to our left but then as you come up the bank the ground gets drier and you can see straight in front of us there are more ash trees and there are more oaks we've lots of willow so willow and ash tell you that the ground is wet but then in between the trees you can also see all these lovely tall stands of um, reeds which is Phragmites so that again tells you that the ground is very wet. So now again you're looking at dry habitats and it's interesting because this is a meadow and you can see meadow buttercup but you can also see bush fetch and bush vetch, lots of bees love it. But you can also see that there's still a little bit of an influence of the wetland and with some of the other plants that you can see, like the willow herbs. You can see lots of horsetails just kind of peeking out along the edge. But you can see as well that because we're walking beside a path, like the edges are cut just to make it easy for people to access. You know, we had to make room for some bicycles there now. So Part of our pollinator plan is that we let the grass grow as much as possible, but we trim the edges by keeping some of it long. That's where there's lots of shelter and protection. Some, some plants and some animals will like short, shorter cut areas, but when you look at something like that, you can see that there's lots of spaces to hide, there's lots of places to perch. So it's really good for insects as well as birds. so you can see straight away we've moved away from the trees and there are a lot more grasses and there are a lot more flowers so you've got a wider view as well like we can see clearly right over to the river where there are several people fishing 
and some people are just sitting down watching the water flow but as we come close we can see again the meadow buttercups we can also see red clover we can see a lot more mint and we can also see right in front of us this beautiful pink flower which is ragged robin and it's one of the most joyful plants of wet meadows because it's just got such a really cool shape and such a strong color and when you see fields that are just swathed in that sort of pink it tells you immediately it's a wetland and wetlands are really cool places because they're both a wet habitat and a dry habitat they're they're wet and they're waterlogged a lot so they are also really good for storing carbon and they also store water and because of that they just have different ecology so you might see different plants and animals like the ragged robin in there so it's a really good sign and it tells us that we have a wet meadow as well as lots of other dry meadows and then straight in front of us we have another little wetland flower it's a little bit smaller and paler than the ragged robin but this is called um, cuckoo flower or some people call it lady smock and it is the plant that several butterflies will lay their eggs on so seeing it is is a really good sign because i'm thinking we might have orange tip butterflies here later on and also green veined white will also lay its eggs on it as well so it's a good sign for butterflies you can see the reed bed is much much more extensive now and you can see that there are a lot more grasses there's still some trees interspersed uh, willow and alder again telling you that it's it's still wet but then as you come up close towards us straight in front of us we have these lovely tall stalks with this really beautiful yellow flower on it and it's in the shape of an iris and in Ireland this is called the wild flag or the yellow flag and again no more than the other flowers that we were talking about yellow flags or wild iris are again something that we immediately picture a wet meadow and I can also hear um, possibly a warbler and something just flew into the alder tree just there so I was trying to have a look to see if we could tell what it is. I can just see a little tail wagging. So we're looking out still onto the reed bed and in fact there's a swan just flying along the edge of the carb. So we're we're well in um, from the riverbank and as you can see we're up on a bit of a height and we're looking down into the wetland and this height is actually a raised bank because at one time this was the dismantled railway going out to Clifton which started in Galway city centre and ran along through the college grounds and eventually well hopefully in the not too distant future this will be part of the the greenway so it'll evoke some of that history of it being a, a transport route because people will be able to travel farther than the end of the college but it also gives us that idea of a raised embankment with wetland on on either side and throughout the year the water level rises you know if you're walking along parts of this in winter time even down as far as the engineering building sometimes if there's flooding the water level comes right up on either side of the path so you almost really do feel like you're walking through a wetland then 
but here even um, well on into the spring you'll see um, little wet pools and um, areas holding water um, for periods of time so these areas are really important because they store water and those are plants that are used to living in wetlands and they hold water. So they're holding water, but because they're waterlogged, they're also holding carbon. So we have this cool link to sort of um, how you have nature trying to take care of itself. So this is like a nature-based solution really because these reed beds are holding water they're holding carbon and that helps just kind of keep the environment healthy so they're really really important at a big ecosystem service level but they're also home to lots of different birds and animals as well like we can hear different birds around us but if we're lucky we might hear some weed warblers We've just seen a male and a female pheasant and they're moving away from us. They're skulking into the bramble and we think they might have little chicks. So that's a really cool sign. And we can hear birds singing in the trees all around us. I suppose they've had to get used to a lot of um, human made noises in this world. But this is this all, all this big building noise is for new student accommodation. So. We do recognise that we need to give our students some more places to live. But it's nice that they'll have a really, really beautiful biodiverse meadow on their doorstep as well. And in fact, some of the landscaping for around the house, the blocks of apartments, they're going to have some of the same plants that are here in there just to act as a connector as well. And straight in front of us we're looking again we're up on the raised bank and we're looking down and we can see mud and a lot of willow and we can also see a plant with yellow flowers called tutsun and we can see our lovely wild flags and then we can also see as we come up the bank it's starting to get drier and we have more woody plants like the lovely heart's tongue fern right in front of us with the lovely shiny fronds that are a little tiny bit curled up at the very top. And I love to look at them when they're just starting to grow. But they're really cool because they've just got an amazing shape. If you think heart's tongue fern being sort of like the shape of a deer's tongue. I mean, they're a lot longer than a deer's tongue really, but you can see why they're so named. And then we have some primroses starting to die back here. And of course, a lot of the lovely ivy which is a fantastic climber that just gives things some shelter and protection and lots of food for birds and for even animals big animals like badgers and there's a common carder bumblebee just went past us as well and you can see this lovely beautiful old hawthorn covered in ivy here it's a lovely sight ivy does exactly the same as any other climber it's climbing up along the structure whatever the structure is and for as long as the tree is healthy the ivy doesn't have any impact on it but if a tree is old or getting older or isn't well the ivy then probably does place another burden on it in terms of um, impact so it might hasten its death but it doesn't cause it to die and if you think about it like actually dead wood is really really important for lots of fungi and lots of beetles 
and we have a PhD researcher in the college who's looking at beetles that are associated with dead and decaying wood because they're they're a group of insects that we don't tend to think about you know the I suppose the pollinators now people are more attuned to looking at them especially because you can see them on flowers but something that lives its life in wood people just don't see it so it's it's a new area and I think that's why we have to sort of think about the life cycle of things and allow things to live out their lifespan as much as possible but when when you have trees like this that are covered in ivy they're also providing shelter and protection for birds and for insects and for bats but later on in the autumn the ivy berries are also eaten by badgers so they're food for a lot of animals So we're standing right beside the tea folly and we're looking across the river at Menno Castle. But then if we look around behind us, we've got this glorious patch of brambles and goose grass. And we can just see lots and lots and lots of bramble flowers. And moving through the bramble patch are honeybees and also a few common carder bees. So it's lovely to see. But it's also a good sign because we're thinking, there's another bee just flying away there. I thought I could hear a little buzz even. This will be laden with berries later on in the autumn time. So that'll be um, fruit and food for a lot of animals as well. We have two green shield bugs mating. So they're stuck together back to back and they're just perched on the bindweed. There's a, a young rob, well an adult robin, but it's stuffing its beak full of insects and it's still going on for more. So it's just foraging in the long grass at the side of the path and now it's flying into the brambles. So I wonder, they might be baby robins that we heard calling a few minutes ago. So we're just looking up into the sky above Menlo Castle and there are six cormorants and it's almost like they're flying in salute. We're trying to look and see if they're um, flying after another one but they just all seem to be flying really high and almost flying stationary now they've flown off back down the river. Maybe they were looking for food. It's, it's hard to know we've got a lovely swallow then flying along up the river as well. So we're standing at the edge of the River Carb on the Biodiversity Trail and we're looking down at these tall, very majestic looking rushes that are just waving in the water and we're seeing beautiful reflections. But we can also see right beside them the flat leaves of water lilies and these are yellow water lilies so they have a really bright yellow flower that you can't miss around June when they're in bloom. And Around this time of year as well, if you're walking up alongside the river path in the evening time, you might be lucky enough to 
see some bats flying alongside the river surface. So watch very carefully and if they're flying very, very close to the water surface, almost like swallows, but they're not flying up into the sky, you are seeing the river bat or Daubenton's bats. They fly within one meter of the water surface, catching mayflies and caddisflies with their large feet and then just shoving them into their feet as they fly, they're so acrobatic. The other bats that you might see alongside the river that will fly in more of a, a loop-the-loop or up and down, if you're seeing them rising up at eye level or even higher up to the tops of trees, they're probably soprano pipistrels. This probably looks to people a bit untidy and a bit messy and maybe they might think it's not doing much but here we can see it's providing shelter and protection and food for a whole family of blue tits and I think a reed bunting went by in at the back and swallows were swooping around the willow. You can hear them flying about, chattering to each other and then catching insects and going back into the youngsters who are calling almost incessantly to say, feed me, feed me. And the parents are very, very busy going in and feeding the youngsters. And then they're flying out over the bramble to catch insects and then going back into the willow to feed the youngsters. And we know as well that a lot of caddisflies will rest in willow leaves um, during the daytime as well. And it, all of this area, like even the, the rough grass and the reed beds, the bats will be flying over all of it, hunting for insects to catch. And if you think about it in a summer's evening, they're catching food basically from sunset until sunrise. Now, if they get something like, you know, several thousand midges, um, that's probably enough and they'll go home, they'll have fed enough. But if it's cold or windy or rainy, then they, they don't catch as much and they might need to go out and hunt the next day. So when we have cold, wet winter or summers, um, our poor bats also suffer because it's, it's a harder time for them when they're supposed to be, you know, building up their reserves and feeding their baby as well. We're really, really lucky in NUI Galway because in Ireland there are only nine species of bat and all nine species of bat feed on the campus. So we don't have all of them roosting on the campus, although we'd like to, but they definitely all hunt over it and feed over it. And we know that because when we've gone out doing surveys with our students, we picked up their bat calls on our bat detectors and they've been right above our heads. So it's it's especially thrilling when you can hear something like a lesser horseshoe. The lesser horseshoes roost in the chimneys over in Menlo Castle, but we've heard them on the bat detector and all the other bats, all the bats in Ireland are insect eaters and they all come out at dusk, but some of them come out early and some of them come out late. So you can tell a little bit about um, who the bat is based on the time that you see them and where you see them like we talked about the river bat earlier on but lesser horseshoes are probably going to be like the river bat coming out later rather than early and when you hear them on the bat detector they're called because it's so high it actually sounds like a warble it's really magical sound And we're just right beside one of the sports pitches and you can see that parts of it are, are managed for the pollinator plan but 
that's the meadowy side along this side it's a whole um, line of trees and you can see that um, like at the exam time the the flowers of the horse chestnut have come out the exams are over and they've already started to form fruits you can see that on on several different branches so there will be a lot of horse chestnuts later on in the autumn Just off the biodiversity trail, up past the playing pitches, we're standing beside a big patch of brambles and just resting with its wings spread out is a speckled wood butterfly. And you can always tell the speckled woods because, well, they're brown, but they also have these lovely creamy spots on them. And they'll sit on a leaf, um, warming up in the sun but they're also very territorial, so they're, they're known as a contest animal. They're very defensive of their area, their territory. So if another butterfly flies by their spot, they'll go off to chase it away. Um, so they're just a wonderful butterfly to see. And here in the shelter of the bramble, we can see um, not just that it's good for the butterflies, but it, there's a lot of honeybees and some of the other bumblebees flying around here as well. And you can just hear a very gentle hum. We're standing just beside the River Carb and very close to us is a young wagtail and it's a young pied wagtail. So that's the black and white one. You'll often see them flying or pacing about the college. They're a very distinctive, noticeable little bird with a lot of character with their black and white head and they're insect eaters. So of course you're going to see them close to the canals and the river carb. But there's another wagtail that lives on the college grounds and that is the grey wagtail with the lovely lemon yellow chest. So we're standing at the very end of the river path on the dismantled railway, but we're not beside the river anymore and nor are we beside a reed bed really. It's now much more swampy, fenny and throughout the grasses and some of the reeds that we can see are purple orchids, but also we can see the wild yellow flag and then dotted around we can see this very striking reddy pink flower and it's called marsh sankfoil and it's got the most beautiful kind of structure and you'll only see it in very kind of waterlogged or swampy sort of soils but it's a very very striking flower and then closer to the edge we also have purple loosestrife so that'll be in flower later on at the end of the summer and alongside it of course is all the lovely meadow sweet and then growing alongside the bank there are also some common valerian which is a tall stalked plant with pale pink flowers and quite a, a sort of noticeable sweet but lemony sort of scent off it and that tells you again that you're in wetlands. 
so we can hear um, some warblers moving through the willow trees and we heard some of their calls just a few minutes ago but occasionally this area is used by a sparrowhawk to hunt over and we would also expect that the barn owls um, would hunt over this area because it's just right for them like with a lot of rough grass and in fact as we're talking um, one one of the birds there is just flying up every so often and catching insects so these are I think reed buntings if I had my binoculars I'd be able to confirm for definite but they look to me like it's that they're youngsters and the little kind of clacky sort of calls that they're making to each other and that that's very typical of um, kind of reed sedge swampy sort of habitat that you'd see reed buntings alongside it but they're beautiful birds to watch the way they're just hunting for insects I bet there's lots of caddisflies just sitting on those willow leaves and, and, and like the other habitats that we looked at, the, the reed beds, this is storing water and storing carbon, but it's also providing different places of shelter and protection for another set of plants and animals. So it's, it's doing some of the same job, but also offering opportunities for different aspects of biodiversity. And then it's it's different places for us to look at as well so it gives us different experiences and encounters so it's 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 really important they say that there's a lot of change happens in your brain as you're walking the the physical step of putting one foot in front of the other um, actually rejuvenates your brain as you're thinking and, and as you're moving through a landscape that changes that increases your kind of your brain power and your brain connectivity and your your thought process and your ability to I suppose, problem solve and think through um, difficult things and and also just feel restored seeing such different habitats and different sounds as well you don't need to be a scientist to come out here and to get the benefit of it but for a lot of our subjects, actually, you, you want to be able to think through and think about and think what are the challenges. And any subject can do that. Any class, any academic, any student, any person can can walk through here. And it's about sort of thinking, what is the what is the landscape telling you? And because you're in an open space, you're not sitting at a desk. So you've got that freedom to move. So your brain has freedom to think, but also because you've got open space, you're not closed in and you're, you're free to sort of explore and think maybe more creatively. was Dr. Katrina Carlin from NUI Galway's Ryan Institute and School of Natural Sciences. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and please join us for more in the Cush Kaidaba series.